wish you would be more offensive about paranormal. I don't like light. It's a bit naughty. I don't believe that it's all real. I love you guys. It's actually the most played podcast. You can't choose between life and death when we're dealing with weather's in between. Now tell it before it's too late. Run to the light, baby! I have seen a ghost in my life. It'd be more offensive about paranormal because that's what we do best. Welcome to Graveyard Shift, the podcast from Shift Films. I'm Frankie Campbelletta. And I'm Jeremy David King. <laughs> Welcome back to the Graveyard Shift. I'm your host, as always, Frankie Campbelletta. And with me, Jeremy David King. I'm not wearing pants. King. Broadcasting live from Villisca, Iowa. Home of the Axe Murderers. Our co-host this season, our third member for season four. He's my third member. <laughs> He's our third member. The very talented, the very lovely Fabian Rodriguez. Fabian Rodriguez. Fabian. He's very attractive. I am. Yo, get him, puppy. Yo, sorry, puppy. I'm on um, Tinder Girls. He's basically a novella. <laughs> basically a novella. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dramatic Cuban actor. I am. From Hawaii. From Hawana. From Hawaii. Better known as Northern Cuba or Miami. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he adds some spice and flavor to the what we're trying to 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 to, to, to talk about here in the in the Midwestern. There, we had the to meet. Midwest. We had to meet the equality goals. I was on the unemployment line, and crew to come out and says we need a minority. And that's, I was like, I'll do it. And then I met Jeremy. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. We need to we need to fill a quota. <laughs> Why don't you show me to work on your lawn, your roof, and be on the podcast with us? He's also damn good with a broom and, and a mop. <laughs> it's systemic racism. Somebody got me an ice cone. Well, you just go back to your bar, the ghost and fiddle, and shut the fuck up. I know. I, I, man, I miss like the way life used to be where you can make fun of all types of stereotypes. Guinea wop bastard, guinea fuck you. That's how my family is. That's how most Cuban families are. That's how my family is. Yeah. I we miss make the fun 80s. of Irish I miss the all 90s. the time. I, I wish that we could have just cut off millennials. God, they ruin everything. God damn it. Especially the Z generation's even worse. Oh, they're, millennials. you know yes. what? You guys are, you guys, are, you know. Confusing us millennials with the Z generation, dude. You're almost close enough to be just a Gen Xer, so calm down. Well, he's Gen X because he's a he's a zennial. I'm dad, a zennial. Your dad was born in what? Fifty nine. Fifty. Dude, your dad's older than my parents. Well, yeah, you had a you had a you, you had, had a, you had a, you had a, you had a baby parent. boomer parent. Yeah. So yeah. that's why you're more like us. Yeah. yeah. If if a millennial had boomer parents, then it's a Gen Xer. Right, that's that's how Even, Sarah usually is. at sixty five to eighty five. Right. Yeah, but she's very, very well with her phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I even have rules with Lily. If you're here, be here. Won't be on your phone. Call home. Yeah. yeah. We share the same home, so it doesn't work. <laughs> that was that supposed to be a fucking burp. What the hell was it? I just I lost it in the back. I lost it in the backswing. Oh yeah, mm. <sighs> terrible. 
A swing and a whiff. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit outside. Well, that was our racist commentary. We'll mark that down. Um, Got it. Check. 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 <laughs> Fabian, were you offended? No. Is this not hostile work environment enough for you? I've been sexually assaulted twice by Jeremy King. You're welcome. <laughs> it's our HR department. Good luck. <laughs> Come give me a complaint and a kiss for daddy. <laughs> Graveyard shift. Living our best afterlife. We can be found on the podcastmoho.com. Just check us out at www.podcastmoho.com. Dot com. We are no, like no longer on the Pork Billy Network um, because we've We're talked about that. More, they get more publicity off of us now. I say Pork Billy. Yeah. The belly of pork. Yeah. Pork nuts. Los puercos. The Lechon Network. The Lechon Network. They're not on Facebook no more. Ain't no Facebook. Du jambon. You fucking peaked crazy there. Who, me? He did. I did. You need to calm down, Spaniard. I got I got a little excited. <laughs> no. I got a little excited in the zoom zoom went a little zoom zoom. Anyway. Zoom, zoom. So and now for our next segment after our racist segment. <laughs> Can we have an anti racist sam- segment? You know, all of us love everybody equally. I've never seen either of you guys ever treat anybody inferior, ever. I actually hate everybody equally. Truth. That's probably that's probably a better assessment. You know who I really think is inferior to me? Zach Bagans. Yeah, but I'm just racist against his hair. Is this a butterfly? It's a demon. It's a demon. Is this your car? It's a demon. It's definitely a demon. Are you you wearing high tech are you wearing high tech boots? Demons. Demons. Is that the guy with the aliens? I woke up today. Demon Demon. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) See these glasses? Demons. Demons. <laughs> like my new underwear? Demons. Demons. I got prism glasses because Demons. of. The guy's been <laughs> the guy's been repossessed more times than the guys in my neighborhood with their cars. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Leslie Nielsen comes in dressed like a pope. <laughs> just the repo man. Like, oh my God. That's what they should call Zach Bagans, the repo man. His repossessions. Like Maybe that's what we call him now. Instead of Dildo like Baggins. Repo do you think there's a bunch of demons in hell going, what are we doing today? No, we're just going to possess Zach Baggins again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get him this time. I'm going to go shake <laughs> yeah. the he's like shake the silverware he's drawer at his house. Right. Of ghost setting. He is. Basically, it's like Cobra Commander constantly <laughs> retreating when it's Zach Baggins. Retreat! <laughs> 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 like that. We'll get Every you next time, time Baggins. And I'd have got you this time had it not been for your stupid little show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's true. <COVID. laughs> it's true, bro. It's just true, true bro. It's true. I can lean on it. It's really true. <laughs> I mean, I love him. I love to laugh at him. <laughs> I love to laugh. You know, for, for as much shit we give teabaggins. Uh, there it is. Douchebaggins? Yeah, douchebaggins or teabagging. The man's just trying to make money. He's <laughs> doing well at that. No one's knocking him for that. It's no. just like, get away from our, you know. Quit ruining our ghost hunting 
Why, why don't you wear a fucking cross if you keep getting... If you were possessed, that met money... Do you think you might become Catholic at this point? I mean, look at him. He's wearing a, a mask. Right he's got glasses He should be on. a priest. He should just live in the Vatican. I mean, <laughs> fuck it, man. That's where the rest of the demons are anyway. Fuck it. I mean, he's, he's got glasses. He's got, he's, got, he's got a mask on for his asthma. He does jack shit to and, keep from getting possessed. In 2,000 years of Catholic history of exorcism... Zach Baggins comes in and his fucking muscles are what takes out takes out fucking demons. <laughs> and he's one of the reasons why so many of these people walk around with these gadgets. Agreed. And you know, I think one of the the real killers as far as gadget is concerned is is Ovulus. I think Ovulus is oh, just a I piece of shit. I hate the motherfucker. It's, it's so stupid. When somebody brings that on a ghost hunt, I'm like, why even? Why are you here? I want to smash you in the face with a hammer. Yeah, I've it, lost all respect for whatever individual. Yeah. I edit right to the office. Why are you the way you are? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Even worse than the ovulus, the eye ovulus. The the phone app. Oh, my God. The phone app. Because your phone, actually, when Apple and Android got together, they decided, you know what we really need for our customers? A way to communicate with dead people as well. That's what they got. I'm telling you. They got it. It was this board meeting. Nailed it. And they fucking said, hey, I want them to reach out and touch somebody. Jobs said. Jobs. He's like, hey, when I die, that's how I'm running the shit. You better listen to the ovulus. The iOvulus, because Steve Jobs is actually running it from the parallel universe. That's how he's telling whoever's running Apple right now. And he's still an asshole in the the other life. He's he's an asshole. He, he sold an iPhone to Jesus. He did. Jesus has two. Right. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He's got one for work and one for pleasure. Yeah, it's so weird. I go by Jesus, but it's weird because when Greeks get here, they're like, hey, Zeus. And I'm like, no, it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Because in this story, Jesus is gay. I mean, he's hung around 12 he's, men, for Christ's sake. He's fabulous. He is. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Superstar. I do like that. Because you're all a Christ. Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bad Turn decision. Turn this water into wine if you do that for me. <laughs> Come on, king of the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Always look on the bright. Side of life. I actually played King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. Did you really? Yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. I've seen that several times. Great musical. So is uh, Technicolor Coat. That's one of my favorite ones. I just, I really am a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Anything he does is fun. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty badass. I also like Andrew Lloyd Wright. Lloyd Webber. Like the Wright building? Yeah. Well, Wayne Wright, he was an understudy for. Yeah. Hey. Look at that art. Oh, Louis Sullivan? Yep. Oh, Louis Sullivan over there. You know, yeah, he, you know, at the end he, of the day, get over there and design me some prairie shit. He, you know what yeah, I'm he's saying? Like, he's like, hey, I did some things about some things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> about that's, how Louis, that's actually how Wayne Wright talked. It was. It's not. Um, it, it probably was. But it is it's not. quite close. Listen, quite close. Google is out. Yes. Just Can we just call him Google Rodriguez? You don't understand. We'll fucking troll the fuck out of you. You fucking come on our show. I love trolling. Google Cube. Google. Google. I don't. I don't use Google anymore. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I use DuckDuckGo. <laughs> the billboards are everywhere in this town. You know, 
I'm serious. It's, it's secure duck, fucking duck, search. Go? Yeah, duck, duck, go. Do, you know I see? told you that it's, you had to I use Alta their Vista. Head, they're headquartered in Iowa. Who? Duck, duck, go? Yeah, the, their building is right down the street. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Haven't you seen the billboards? No, I've seen the nope. billboards. I, I use duck, duck, go. I can't read. For our audience, I'm in cybersecurity, so everybody's unsafe. Duck, duck, up. go. There's a reason to hack them now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and dox me, I dare you. <laughs> Sequel inject him. Sequel it all over. <laughs> I made all my money in technology as well. <laughs> there will be blood. Speaking of, <laughs> you're just a bastard in a basket. Um, <laughs> that's why people love our show. They never know what to expect. <laughs> what in the hell? You're Sean Connery. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) No, that's when I met Sean Connery. I know, it's one of my favorite stories you I met Sean Connery. He was doing, um, what the hell was the name of that movie? In the Swamps. Was it In the Swamps? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's Just Cause. Just Cause. Is it Just Cause? He filmed it right on 27th and Griffin, right at the back there. Bro, that's when my buddy Terry Butler uh, filmed it with him. Okay, so... I we I lived right I lived a mile from the Gators right mm-hmm. there. Like, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's 27, which is Tamiami Trail. And this is the Broward County line. So literally, Griffin Road and where I lived on 195th Terrace was a mile to 27, and there's the major Seminole Truck yep. Stop, which is the best Gator you can eat. So if you like Gator, eat the Truck yeah, Stop. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Yep. Is this a Florida Gator? So my mom was like, Florida Gator. my mom was like, I got heartburn. I need soda. Go down to the truck stop. Get me a soda. Don't be too late. Don't fuck around. So me and my buddy Steve Chop hop in my. I think I was driving a um, a Buick Regal, and so I, yeah, I think it was a Regal I had, and then so we take it down. Um, it's very bro. So bro. It is bro. So it's bro. Miami, bro. I don't even have bro. a Regal. Don't so bro. My brother-in-law had a Regal too. Yeah, the gold one was KMC Spoons. What song? What? The back seat had no seats. It was just a speaker you had to sit on. And if you if you rode bitch in the back seat, and he played like loonies, like oh, every time shit. I hear that song, oh I don't even know what people, this song is. People, people, I got five on it. That one? Oh, I know that song. If you were sitting loonies, in the man. middle seat, in the back seat of that Regal. It would just, your balls would hit your chin. And that song came on. <laughs> and when he said, I got five on it, whatever was in your bowels was now in your shorts. <laughs> That's how much the bass was in that car. I was like, there it goes. <laughs> Shat there. So anyway, I'm, take, I'm taking this. Um, we are doing Velisca House, okay? Velisca House, House will be in about 10 minutes, all right? Ass Join house. us. Right, fucking people. Like, we're going to get you the paranormals. Don't fucking, do you care if you, I don't care if you listen or not. <laughs> We do this for us. <laughs> is there somebody on the chat trying to talk to us now? I love it. Yeah, I have a couple of live feeds here. Yeah. Um, hey, guys. I think you guys oh, are talking hi. about Blue Skags. That's why I tuned in. Well, we're not talking about it yet. Why don't you try back in 50 minutes? <laughs> 50. We're, we're, we're talking about... That's tomorrow. Goddamn Sean Connery right now. All okay, right. so I take yeah. I take the Regal down there. I go up there and... Um, it's a Regal. Mm-hmm. There's a dude back there named Billy. Some little kid. Really cool guy. Knew us by like name and heart because he knew my mom. Once again, we treated everybody. We were friends with everybody, you know. And go in there and then Billy's kind of giving me the eyes when I walk in there. Typical seminal fucking kid, man. Like he's got like cigarette hanging out of his mouth, the long hair, the fucking. I mean, it was like atypical stereotype. He's got a flannel on. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you're like a family guy episode right now. Um, 
But I'd walk up there, and he's like, dude, like, he's like, what the fuck's going on out here, man? There's a lot of cranes. I thought they were doing construction. He's like, no, man, they're, like, shooting a movie and shit. I'm like, cool as fuck. Don't care. Um, went there, got some sodas, got a bag of chips, and I'm standing in front, and there's this two guys at the door, and there's guys in front of me, and he's, like, 6'5", huge guy. And then uh, he's just ringing stuff up. I think he bought a pack of smokes or something. And he turns, and he faces us. And me and Steve just look up, and it's John Connery. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and Steve's just like, I'm just like holy shit, Steve. But it's in my head, you know. Right. I, I'm not the person. When I met Kurt Russell a couple years ago in San Francisco, I don't. We talked a little bit. I don't ask for fucking photos, and I'm not going to do that to somebody. I mean, fuck, I wouldn't want that, right? You know, fuck that. Um, and being from Miami too is like you don't. You're around them all the time. You don't get star truck that easy. <laughs> no, you really don't. <laughs> you, you don't. Really well, don't. Well, welcome to the Midwest, so right? Actually, football. Yeah, motherfucker. Pants. I work eighty hours a week. <laughs> fuck off. He yeah, works exactly, four hours. Get the fuck exactly, out of here. Exactly. You know That's what I'm saying? Mindset, my yeah, his dad don't give a shit. The fuck he is. He's, look, he has money now. In three years, see where I'm at. See what he is. He's gonna be <laughs> yeah, broke, exactly, motherfucker. Exactly. That, that's the shit. That's how. That's how Miami is. And so anyway, I'm sitting in there. My buddy Steve's like, "Oh my God, you're Sean Connery." He looks at us. Shit, you're not. And just like dead eye stares us and goes, I have been my whole life. And then left. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Well. Sean Connery, thank you. Um, he wanted to clarify that. Yeah. He's, <laughs> his whole life. <laughs> but speaking of movies, the Velisca Axe Murders, terrible film. You saw it. Uh, yeah. You know what? It's so bad. I can't even remember it. Same. And I, I do remember seeing it. I, I, I watch a lot of these movies, wanna. and that one was... Uh, it wasn't even worth remembering. The Lizzie Borden one wasn't bad. Is that the old one that had... Um, no, Mona? it's fairly recent. And I don't believe she did it. I don't... I don't. I just don't believe she a, did the, it. The evidence does not support... Because she walked. Right. She mm-hmm. walked back then. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's easier to walk back then because forensics is not there, which we're about to get into if you guys are ready to do Velisca. So uh, let's get into the Velisca Axe Murder House. Axe is, 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 is this where they um, they had an axe murder? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm going to read it from the website just because I want to piss people off because I keep just bashing. Because I keep bashing people that do this, but I'm like. Listen, we were there today. That's the difference between you and I. Yeah. We're yeah. not just reading a book. Yeah, well, we don't have money. We didn't take you a look. should have a podcast. We didn't take <gasps> then, a look. Then don't talk about the subject matter if you're not doing the ghost hunting. Right. If you if, just look at it. If you're not doing the, the ghost, ghost hunting. hunting. It's just motherfuckers on the car websites, right? Like, oh, it's not a 136. It's not a good Chevelle. Do you own anything? No. Fuck off then, bitch. <laughs> I really enjoy seeing you in your Toyota Matrix, bud. Exactly. Totally a Prius driver. Totally on my <laughs> On June 10, 1912, one, in Villisca, Iowa, on a quiet residential street, in this small town sits an old white frame house. Pictures are on our Facebook and Instagrams. On a dark evening, the absence of light. You don't like light. I don't like light. And sounds are the first indication to visitors that this house is different from the other homes that surround it. Upon closer inspection, you'll notice its doors and windows are tightly closed and covered. An outhouse in the backyard suggests that this house does not occupy a place in the 21st century, but somehow belongs in another era or another story. A weather-beaten sign hanging from the decrepit front porch. Not really decrepit, though. 
It's very nice, actually. Yeah. Warns rather than welcomes. It is the murder house. The walls still protect the identity of the murderer or murderers who bludgeoned to death the entire family of Josiah Moore. Is that how you say his name or is Hosiah? Hosea. It, it might be a soft J. Hosea, that's what I, Hosea? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hosiah. Hosiah. <laughs> family of Hosiah Moore, two overnight evening guests on June 10th, 1912. So today, um, well, yesterday was June... We were there on the anniversary. Let's just put it that way. 108th anniversary, and none of us noticed it. None the two of us. girls outside were like, you know, you're here for the anniversary? I'm like, it's the anniversary? What anniversary? June 10th. Oh, my God, we're here. So what are the odds of that? Like, it it really is weird. The odds of that is Sarah fucking up the date again. That's that's the odds. You know what? Thank God Sarah fucked up the date. I and love you, baby, and I'm sorry. And that's what we call Lucky 13. I blame Jeremy for everything that went wrong. Uh, 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 almost 97 years later her secret continues to draw many visitors to her door to some it seems to be speaking wait today was the 108th anniversary how's it 97 I think that we're going to update that website does somebody in this room know something about websites never heard of it what is a website? It's actually it's not actually not that bad of a website. It's actually pretty dumb. That person that did it knew what they were doing. It just needs to be updated. I mean, it's not responsive or anything, but it's, it's a nice website. It's easy to read. Anyway, I'm not getting into critique. It's not a design show. God, I would never talk about what I do for a living. Visits by paranormal <laughs> investigators have provided audio, video, and photographic proof of paranormal activity. Tours have been cut short by children's voices, falling lamps, moving ladders, and flying objects. Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home, and many have actually communicated with them, and skeptics have left believers. Is the Villalesca Axe House haunted? You tell us. Your belief may be the key that unlocks the door to the Villalesca Axe murder mystery. On June 10th in 1912 in Liska, Iowa, essentially what happens is a family is bludgeoned to death, including two visitors. With a wedge. Yeah, which hey. is different right. from an axe. And maybe we should probably explain that, too. You want to talk about the wedge, which is basically a chipped axe. It's kind of ruined. It's not right. real sharp. It's used for cutting coal down and some... Well, that, it wasn't there. So an axe is a wedge. You know, it's a simple. I understand that. A simple machine. I understand. It's a, but but when you say wedge, yeah, my ideation of that is when they was chopping up the coal. Right, because it was a, it was a, it wasn't a good. They have it. They have a nice one that they use for wood and other stuff. Right. And the old axe becomes like, oh yeah, just go ahead and use the wedge and chop up that coal now. The coal. And coal burns clean. Do you say Coke or coal? Both. <clears throat> Do you hear that? Global warming. Hmm. Sponsor today is coal. It burns clean, and you should invest. <laughs> Support your local union at coalminers.com. Let me tell you, all those windmills we saw, beautiful. And now back to Jeremy's wedgie. <laughs> um, but seriously, so this this was just laying around the house. Right. And then you kind of get into the story of the Velisca axe murder. It's a tiny house. Tiny. And six people die? Eight. Eight people die. Eight 
it's it's so it's, so it's his parents. family and two guests. Yes, two parents, four kids, four kids, and then two, two friends. And those friends were also children. So six children, two adults, are chopped chopped to pieces. Basically, <laughs> everybody's hit in the. And this is long before like serial killers or mass murderers had become way of life. Now, of course, Jack the Ripper. And probably Murder Castle were the two biggest ones at the point. At that point, I think Albert Fish was. Had Albert been, Fish yeah. was kind of doing his thing, you know, because this is 1912. So, um, so the weeks that followed in this—it's a tiny town, and so when you try to understand and get your head around Velisca, um, it is kind of a scary tale because you because they never—it's a cold case, and nobody heard anything. Literally down the hill, what would you say? A hundred yards was a yellow house, and he said that there was a tuberculosis camp there. Yeah. So there were people camping outside a hundred yards away. Not one of them heard a thing. Even the neighbor said that she supposedly had seen something, but the sheriff wouldn't take the wouldn't take the report because she was a woman mm-hmm. and she drank. Sounds like my mother. or my wife i don't know yeah (laughs) they all need a meeting (laughs) so darwin and martha lynn of corning iowa darwin had unfortunately he has passed martha is still very much alive um she still owns the house um the guy that pretty much runs the facility though is a guy by the name of johnny hauser johnny hauser's a good dude great guy we actually met him at the paracon in kc which i'm thinking about doing even though pod Pork Belly is a sponsor because I don't really give a fuck. Right. Um, I still want to do that because I like supporting the Casey Paracon. There were some really cool people we met. They some had, great we had a good friends. time. Actually, the person that keeps ragging on uh, Fabian, actually, we met her there too. So yeah, she sat right behind us. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I haven't called her out because she knows who we're talking about, and I'm not going to do that to her. But to be she, quite honest, I haven't seen any of her rags because I don't read. He don't can't read. It's not in Spanish. <laughs> well, he Googled it and found it. Um, I did Google it and find it. So getting back to the thing at hand, Johnny Hauser kind of runs this place. And maybe right. one day he'll own it. And I hope he does because he's the perfect person to own it because we know that he would take care of it. It's in good hands then. It's in really good hands. Yeah. He's got a he's, lot of passion for it too. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. He really does. He knows his history. And yeah. I learned so much. We should have had him on the show, but it's just hard with COVID right now. And he had his daughter with him and stuff, which was right. a darling girl, and she's all into it too, which was kind of cool. As, yep. as, as you know, Grace, his father. I think it was Grace. Yeah, yeah. So he's this very jovial dude, knows his history. Disagree with him on Columbus, but that's another subject for another day. Um, <laughs> I can debate Columbus pretty hardcore. I did write a thesis on him. I know a little bit about him. Um. Shouldn't you have used, like, an Italian or a Spanish accent for that part? No. Columbus talk like, hey, listen, this is what we're going to fucking do. <laughs> See, I told you. You're going to get on the fucking boat. You're going to keep your mo- motherfucking mouth shut. We're going to kill these caribs. They're eating fucking people like it's meatballs and fucking brujol over here. Let's get rid of these fucking Indian bastards. Let's help the other fucking Indians out. And in case you don't know about the history, the Caribbean's named after the caribs. The caribs were a fucking Indian tribe, right? It's fucking spear chuckers that ate the other tribe. So Columbus yeah, did they conquer. Was, they was cannibals. They're cannibals. They so he cannibals. said, hey, stop fucking eating this guy like he's a goddamn fucking, uh, you know, super shot over here. You know what uh, we think it is, you know? You're eating this guy like a cannoli. What are you doing? It's not a chicken spadini. And those pennies over here going, oi, oi, hey, come on, Italiano. Come down, yeah. bro. 
I got this. Human and arroz con pollo. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds we're delicious. We're arroz con caribe. Exactly. Fucking picadillo with humans, bro. Like, no, bro. So, you know, Columbus was like, hey, go fuck yourself. We're going to kill these bastards over here. And then I'm going to do something that no one else has ever done. I'm going to do this four fucking times without losing a fucking, without losing a fleet or a ship. That's how good he was. Okay. Now, enough about Columbus. More about Velisca. The Velisca Axe Murder House is a cold case. Eight people lost their lives in 1912. A reverend at some point takes credit for the murder. I think that's in 1918. Yeah. Yeah. A couple years after. Yeah. Yeah. It's like five years later, this reverend. I did it. Says he did it. And, of course, usually when that happens, it's suspect. Like, people don't admit to something like this. Because my feeling is when we talk to Johnny about it, on the 100-year anniversary, they had a forensic team come out, and they did Luminol. And if you don't know what Luminol is, basically Luminol is sprayed in a section of home where human remains were, especially blood, and they hit it with UV lights. And what happens is you will see the entire place light up wherever blood was. It doesn't matter how long ago. That's what's so cool about Luminol. I'm dying to do this at 13 Hortense Place. If we could only. Probably never. Right. Um, I know she's selling it, so maybe the new guy would be like, yeah, dude, let's fucking do it. Um, but I doubt it. The, so the idea behind the Luminol was this, was this thing that they discovered. And we asked Johnny, like, hey, dude, like, what did you see? He's like, well, we didn't see splatter patterns. It was pools. So was everybody, pools. all eight people were hitting the head with an axe or two main arteries feeding blood to the brain are. Your and body it, runs on anywhere from 15 to 20 PSI. Yep. And it's also not, if they hit them in the head, that's not stopping their heart. Not at all. You're going to bleed the fuck out. Like you're going to bleed out. You're going to spray some blood. It should be everywhere, especially eight different people. But that's not what the luminol picked up. The luminol picks up pools of blood, which is very different. Right. Meaning that this could have been premeditated, that this wasn't some staged. kind of accident. Right. That's a, that's what I was thinking is that the uh, that I believe, and this is my opinion on it, of course, because I wasn't there, um, is that those individuals were actually dead when the axe went to them. Right. And even with the even with the coverings of the mirrors, because that alludes to you know uh, to me like. Like a like a, like a guilt, like a sense of guilt by the individual who committed the crime. I don't know. No, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. Films and books of the murders have recently captured the interest of the audience who had never heard of the horrendous crime. Psychics claim they've identified the murderer, and history buffs continue collecting piles of documents. They say point to the truth. In all honesty, though, we will never know. What happened on that dark night inside the home of J.B. and Sarah Moore? The murderer or murderers were never caught, and given the many years that have passed, their dark secret was obviously carried with them to their own graves. For some, the speculation was almost too much to bear, and in 1912, townspeople began to distinguish and identify themselves by who they believed committed the crime. 
Friendships became strained, in many cases irretrievably broken. The town stood then, and in many cases still stands today, divided. Visiting the home, reading the newspaper articles of 1912, and poring over the grand jury testimonies in the coroner's inquest, I have spent hours looking into the eyes of the victims and the few tattered photographs that remain. I have come, in a sense, to know the townspeople of Valeska of 1912, I share their frustration, their anger, their suspicions, and their fear. But most of all, I share their pain, the pain of the unknown, the pain of a terrible tragedy that forced neighbors to look with suspicion upon their neighbors, the pain of the 20th century. Originally, the construction of this website that I'm reading from was simply a favor to a friend. Over the past several years, however, it has become a way of life. The Moors have become family. Once you've entered this site and seen drawn into this, this story... I can guarantee that it will become a part of your life. At first, you'll feel an insatiable need for information until the site went live. That was difficult, if not impossible, to find. Secondly, you'll find yourself a desire to know the truth, to unmask the identity of the murderer or murderers, and see justice done. Finally, you'll feel the pull to the house. You won't be satisfied with anyone else's experiences there. You'll need to have your own. I know I've been in your shoes. The house as it stands today... This is off the record now. That was basically from their website. And I just thought it was very poetic because me and Jeremy understand that more, more than most people having done a documentary on someone that we basically became family to us. I mean, Elsa. Truth. And, and the Lem family in and of itself, it, 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 she's absolutely, whoever wrote this is absolutely 100% right. And we saw that in, jo- in Johnny Hauser's uh, reactions. reactions today. Yeah. I mean, you see that when he talks about it. You talked about the passion that he has for the house. And that's what happens. Like, I have the passion for Elsa and the passion for the Lost Boys. You become part of their family and you want justice served. And Correct. the website is right. 1912, 1920 with Elsa. It's tough. It's very tough. You need something so glaring. You need information. You need a paper trail. Or you need somebody to speak up. I think that somebody knew what happened there. And I think maybe they were afraid. I, th- I think that the town itself knew what actually happened. At, at least within the immediate neighborhood. So, the, so there was that. What, what basically what J.B. Moore did for a living, right? He owned essentially right. an implements shop. An implements shop. So, you know, like an Orschlein or a Home Depot. Or big R. A big R, right? In this case, it would be more like a John Deere dealer. Like you'd, you'd pass right. by, you see the combines and the, yeah. and the tractors and the bobcats. That's pretty much what he did. Yeah, he I dealer. mean, essentially. But see, John Deere in that town um, was very different. The John Deere had issues. There was a, there was a dispute between... A senator, right. state senator of Villisca, and John Deere, because the state senator also had a implement, implementation shop. Right. So when JB decides to represent John Deere in light of everything else, his death kind of follows not too long after that. Correct. So one could implicate that this had something to do with here why do people kill people money love but it's usually money money is a motivator and that's why we call it motive 
what motivated this to be a death? Was he taking business away from this state senator? Was he going to take business away? Nothing runs like a deer. When he said yeah, that, standing true. over him after he axed him. <laughs> I don't think it was John Deere directly. Like, no, I, don't think John Deere I think it's came the down. senator. He's like, nothing no. runs like a deer, right. bitch. Yeah, no, I mean, John John Deere is out of the equation. John Deere was just like, hey, here's what I'm doing. with what I'm doing. But look at it today. Look at the farm equipment that we have today. John Deere is number one amongst farmers. It's number one. Nobody can even come close to it. Every farmer I know, and the big farmers, they all have John Deere stuff. Unless you want to get into, like, Massey Ferguson, where you're having, like, big-time combine ag stuff. But John Deere is a household name. I mean, it is the bow tie it does of the tractor world. It's not only does it make farming equipment, but it makes it all the way down to, like, my grandfather has a John Deere push mower. Yeah, but in that time, they were pretty much just to the uh, to the agricultural sector. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, but look at what the brand became. I mean, they right. were building quality parts. I mean, look at Ford around the same time, right? So you have these companies that are kind of sprouting out that became something. Right. And the, they stayed the, the pretty much shaped what is the United States today. 100%. Industrial an Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're repping a company and that company's product is not shit, what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is everybody's going to buy a John Deere over whatever anybody else is selling in that town. And right. so you're taking livelihood and stakes out of somebody's pocket. Right. And that could motivate not only frustration, but it can motivate murder. Murder. And so there is something to that. There is something to having it being more than one person. You have to understand, the house is probably a total of 900 square feet. Yeah, if it's that. It's tiny. If it's that. tiny. Yeah. So if you're going to do Velisca Axe House, do the overnight. And do it with like four people. It, it almost feels like two very large gardening sheds stacked on top of each other. It really is. It's yeah. tiny. It's yeah. tiny. It's, it's a, a nice beautiful house. house. Like mm-hmm. so cute. And quaint and perfect, and there's this little attic space that you kind of have to walk into this little. Yeah, I mean, if it was like if it was just me, being the single dude that I am, I'd buy it. It's perfect house. House would be perfect for, or even like a starter home for like a couple. You know, a couple with maybe one. Yeah, for one kid kid or something like that. Yeah. You know, maybe two, but two's pushing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had they had like what six kids in there. (laughs) Oh yeah, they had. Well, they had four kids and then two friends. That was crazy. So, the, you know, what other motivators could it be? Um, so, the two house guests were not Moors. They were Stillingers. And we we wanted to visit their gravesite as well. We felt that, you know, we had been in their house. We'd heard about the tragedy, and now we witnessed it for ourselves. And we felt that we should pay respects at the gravesite. Yep. So, we do have some pictures on our Instagram. And you should totally come out. And visit visit Johnny. Johnny will give you the basically the brief rundown. Uh, they open around one o'clock. It's ten bucks a person. Um, getting in there and doing an overnight ghost hunt. It's about Ooh. a year waiting list. I think he said right now they only book uh, six months in advance because you yeah, forget <laughs> they were they were booking people. I guess they don't they don't charge ahead of time. So you they'd book out a year out and then people would be like, oh, I forgot, dude. How do you forget if you're really into ghost hunting? You're looking forward to this shit. The only, the only like co- co- constructive criticism that I would give them, I would have bought a shit ton of shirts. 
Yeah, there was no merchandise. Souvenirs, no merch. Maybe there is. They just weren't doing it for the COVID, COVID stuff. thing. Remember, he did. He did say he he wasn't even allowed back into the building for a couple months. And their yeah, and their bathroom was mm-hmm. broken because during the COVID lockdown, mm-hmm. I guess the pipes froze. So I mean, it, they may. I don't know. You'd think they would be able to sell it though. It kind of looked like he did have like he had space there for the merch, but he just hadn't even brought it out yet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, they need to sell some stuff. Like I would love a hoodie that says "Cut here." That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. And it's missing one sleeve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like it would have like you know perforated marks. Oh, I like that <laughs> around the head of the hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we catch an EVP there while we were just? We did. We did. Sitting in the upstairs bedroom. Yeah, the little girl's room. We heard this little girl voice. We heard some footsteps. Uh, it's very active. It's it sounded act. like somebody walked in the damn house. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, just to make to get everybody aware, we were there at noon. We weren't there in the middle of the night. We close weren't there at Well, close enough. I mean, yeah, close. Wow, Jeremy. I'm just a, a technicality. Whatever. <laughs> we were all right. Fine. We were there at thirteen hundred. It's just, <laughs> what does that mean? It's such a brilliant. It's a really cute town too. Like the whole. God, I wish this COVID shit would end already. Um, I just feel bad for these businesses around the areas and stuff because it's just a cool little town. There's like antique markets and stuff like that around, and, and nothing's open. Nothing's yeah, nothing's open, open. and it sucks because they all they'll close like really early. We had to they eat at Subway. Subway. Frankie doesn't eat at Subway. There They're was so a pissed. chuck wagon though. He was so pissed. The chuck wagon. There was a chuck wagon. What's a chuck wagon? Oh, that's like a famous restaurant, man. It used to be all through the United States. Really? Isn't yeah. it? Isn't like a? Isn't, are they a buffet? Chuck yeah. wagon. Yeah. It's probably closed too. No, it was open. No, it's open. The chuck wagon was open. The mm. chuck wagon was open. God damn it! We it, ate it sub. Well, we wouldn't have found out about the gates of hell or the tree in the middle of the road if we ate it. To which is amazing. Wagon. I have amazing pictures that I'm putting up on Instagram as well. So, Velisca, Velisca Axe Murder House, unsolved, highly yep. active, eight people. They even brought a detective up from KC. And we've even about that. Yeah. So, so they call this. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. They call a KC and from the from. I mean, this is how small the town is, right? And so they have to call a, a a detective in from KC who shows up drunk. Yeah. And I guess Johnny made a good point, like rightly so. I mean, you're about to go experience acts of murder of eight different bodies, and and there's just, six children. Yeah, the majority are children. Oh, I couldn't even imagine it. You have to and, like mentally prepare yourself. And for that. and the worst part about it was. Um, they had another child on the way, but she miscarried because of the stress. That was the Stillingers. Yeah, yeah. Stillingers. So yeah. the other two, their other two children. Three days guess, later. Yeah, yeah, they were having like a sleepover. They lost their entire family in, in a single night. Actually, so I think they were staying over to go to church. And so one of the theories was that the Stillingers' dad was really kind of pissed off that they were going to church. They should have been out working the fields. But when they interviewed this guy... That, you know, he's like, you know, the last thing he remembers is just how beautiful his daughters looked going, you know, going towards church. And so they were like, yep, not him. See, but when the story was told to me, and this is where I get kind of like weirder, kind of like where I start thinking about, wait a minute, what's going on here? When that was told to me, he said that he, like, they didn't live much longer after that. There was like a lot of sadness. They, they were ruined. 
Their house burned down. Their twice. house burned down. Twice. 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 So this is the Stillingers now. So J.P. Moore and Sarah dies in the, right. in the axe bludgeoning. But their two daughters were at the house. They lose their lives. She's right. pregnant with a child, the Stillingers. She loses that child about three days later doing a miscarriage because of the high stress levels. They go back to their house over the course of a couple years. They, their house would burn down twice. Just terrible projections. Terrible. And then they wide. died, what, in the for, like late 40s? 45 and 46. Yep. Young. So what, still, that's the, a long time after. Yeah, that. exactly. And it, and it does have something to do with grief, right? Grief takes years mm-hmm. from your life, right? Uh, God's grace is is one thing. In the same instance, it's it's another, and it can be crippling. And you see that in this case. It's just this. I can't imagine. And we're all we're all dads. We all have. You know, one, three, and two children. So mm-hmm. a total, we have six children on this table right now. And when you look at it from that perspective, I, I can't imagine the pain and the grief that these people went through. And and it's it's sad that if it was some kind of premeditated thing and they didn't expect all those people to be at that house and now they had to, it just goes to show you, like, what kind of capacity of a mindset does somebody have to have to go that far and i think that's where i go that's that's what i think where they cover the windows that this dude if, if, if let's, let's say let's let's stick with the theory that so the mirror so yeah so the mirrors are all covered with sheets right and they, um, they still are actually yeah they still are well i uncovered a couple of them <laughs> oops <laughs> oops <laughs> the um <clears throat> but you put it back did i put it back you did i did you did i did i did then um but that, that just speaks to the to the psychological mindset of the individual the individual knew that going in he's going to do some evil shit not me that was not a fart no, that he's going to do some evil shit right so my thinking is that let's say let's, let's go on with a theory that this guy hired a hitman mm-hmm. to take him out the the hitman was like oh fuck which also then leads to me to believe that the town must have known about this. Somebody must have heard something. How do you sneak through that little itty bitty town, itty bitty house, kill six kids? Right? Was it six kids? Six kids, two six, adults. Two adults. Nobody hearing anything. Nobody hearing anything. Because it's not a it's not a rural house, guys. That's why they're it's already, not in the middle of I a mean, farm. <laughs> based on that, the puddles of blood allude to these kids were probably all poisoned, right? And made to look like some kind of axe murdering. So here's here's where my delineation of that would be. Look for other murders like this where somebody could have gotten that idea. Correct. And you would have to point to Louisiana. Louisiana. Mm-hmm. New Orleans. In New Orleans, there's another case just like this. He was an axe murderer, and they never caught him. They never knew who he was. It's a famous story in New Orleans. The uh, American, what's it called? American Horror Story? Yes. American Horror Story has done a couple episodes with him in it. And it was a very hot topic. And you have to understand, this is 1912. Your source for news is papers, not on TV. So you're reading a lot about these things, and they're taking national cases. So... You know, for me, it feels like it's a premeditated murder made to look like 
some kind of crazy serial mass. Something that would take the eyes away from the townspeople. Something that would draw suspicions to something else. Now, did that backfire? Did it cause divide? Yes. I mean, every everything points to this basically becoming uh, more of a, a rabbit hole than yeah. anything. And, and it is. I mean, 1912, guys. That's, that's, that's even long. older than the Elsa case. Yeah. It's over 100 years old. Is it ever going to be solved? I think in this case, if there are psychics and sensitives, it's probably the only way. I don't think so. I think there's forensic evidence in the bones. If there were poison, it would be present in the bones. It's possible. Depends. Not well, it's I a heavy it, metal. I mean, let's say it was arsenic. That's a heavy metal. It would attach to the bones. But here's the thing with that. Would they have to be over time, though? What do you mean? Well, poisoning over time. Like, if they're poisoned once and they die, if, they, if they're poisoned once and they die... Does that deposit into their bones before they pass You know, that's away? a good question. I do not know. I don't know. Well, the other problem with the poison theory is there's vomiting associated with it. Right. Well, depending on the type of poisoning, yeah. For like sure. Foaming and, and maybe it all can blend. Um, leftovers if somebody ate the food the next day. But that's the thing. That there's not enough forensic evidence. I mean, didn't Remember when I asked when I asked that guy if hey was there any photographic evidence of taking out the scene, and he said no. There's some guy walked in, threw the camera out the door and broke it. That's yeah. a suspect for me. Right. That person that did that, because he's the only camera in town. He said. Right. I was the only camera in town. And then there was a what was it a, a TV? There was a TV camp right down the road from it. Twenty people. Yeah, hundred yards, maybe a. Maybe a little more, 120 yeah. It's an old folks home now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's Well, like, no, it's a, like a low rent. Facility. Yeah, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're wanting to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They're wanting to make it that, but right. the town, you know, it, it's a good place to rent, you know, if you're getting started or whatever. So it's, it's lower rent uh, homes. But, you know, at that time, it was mostly farm fields. That was a um, farm field across the street from it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you talk about sound... It is possible that you might not have heard anything. Um, but they're in town. It's not like they're out in the... When you say farm fields, what I mean... When you yeah, say in 1912, were those houses built up next to yeah. it? The, yeah. The house next to it yeah. was. Yeah, the house next to it. And who lived there? That, that was, was the woman. That who, the sheriff. She was out there at four in the morning doing her, doing her laundry. And the sheriff didn't believe her. Because she she's said a woman that she and saw she some drinks. Links. What did she? What did she? She says that she saw somebody running or something like that. And and then they had bloodhounds come, and the bloodhounds the first time went straight to the senator's house, and the second time ran the same direction, but ended up and by the river. By the river, mm-hmm. and so that's where you escaped, right? For sure. The water will can't pick up dogs. Bloodhounds can't pick up scent and water. Well, it just washes away. We learned this from uh, Cool Hand Luke, Paul Newman. Great movie. You should watch it. Turner Movie Classics. Anyway. I want I want some hard-boiled eggs right now. Oh, it's a terrible oh, scene. Oh, God. It's I'm a rough scene. with you, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a rough scene. He did it, though. He did. That's, that's determination. But I think, you know... Uh, uh, Part of the problem with this case is with the lady next door who very well 
might have been an eyewitness and they basically brush her off because she's a woman who drinks. That was literally the, the excuse, and that's ridiculous. But I want to get a hold of a police report because from the way he spoke, he said that there was there was a Alpha David put it down from what she said. Alpha David. It was just never submitted for any of the indictments or any part of the investigation. Well, it's that and the fact that the dog goes to the senator's house. Yeah. The one person that we suspect. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Dogs don't miss. I, I just talked to somebody from my other podcast on cadaver dogs and bloodhounds. They don't make mistakes. <laughs> I've seen these dogs. I've seen drug dogs work at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like, 98% effective. I've, so, I've seen drug dogs working at a friend's house before. Yeah. And see, this is this is like... <laughs> This is what, like, it looks like, right? Like, that's where we are right now, you know? So, from a ghost standpoint, yeah, definitely do it. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But take a small group of people. Yeah. Don't take your whole 37-member ghost hunting team because it's small. And, like, sound carries. It's an old house. They still have single pane windows, that type of thing. So to, so to clarify what you guys are talking about, the following morning at approximately 5 a.m., Mary Peckman. That's her. That's her. The Moore's next-door neighbor stepped into her yard to hang laundry. At approximately 7 a.m., she realized that not only had the Moors not been outside nor the chores began, but that the house itself seemed unusually still. Between 7 and 8 a.m., Mary Peckham approached the house and knocked on the door. When she received no response, she attempted to open the door only to find it locked from the inside. After letting out the Moore's chickens, Mary placed a call to Josiah's brother, or Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, setting into place one of the most mismanaged murder investigations to ever be taken. Oh, good Lord. Based on the testimonies of Mary Peckman and those who saw the Moors at the Children's Day exercise, it is believed that sometime between midnight and 5 a.m. an unknown assailant entered the home of J.B. Moore and brutally murdered all occupants of the house with an axe. Upon arriving at the home of his brother, Ross Moore attempted to look in the bedroom window and then knocked on the door and shouted, attempting to raise someone inside the house. When that failed, he produced his keys and found one that opened the door. Although Miss Peckman followed him onto the porch, she did not enter the parlor. Ross went no further than the room of the parlor. When he opened the bedroom door, he saw two bodies on the bed and dark stains on the bed clothes. He returned immediately to the porch and told Miss Peckman to call the sheriff. The two bodies in the room downstairs were Lena Stillinger, age 12, and her sister Ina, age 8 house guests of the Moore children. The remaining members of the Moore family were found in the upstairs bedrooms by City Marshal Hank Horton, who arrived shortly. Who arrived there shortly. Every person in the house had been brutally murdered. Moore, age nine, um, brutally murdered. Their skulls crushed as they slept. Josiah Moore, age 43. Sarah Montgomery Moore, age 39, Herman Moore, age 11, Catherine Moore, age 9, Boyd Moore, age 7, and Paul Moore, age 5, as well as the Stillinger's sisters that we talked about earlier. 
Once the murders were discovered, the news traveled quickly in the small town as neighbors and curious onlookers conveyed on the house. Law enforcement officials quickly lost control of the crime scene. It is said that up to a hundred people <laughs> trapsed through the house, gawking at the bodies before the Velisca National Guard finally arrived around noon to cordon off the area and secure the home. The only How known sick facts. Is that? Yeah. How sick is that? Oh, let's see all these murdered children. Yeah. That's yeah. disgusting. The only known facts regarding this scene of the crime were eight people had been bludgeoned to death, presumably with an axe left at the crime scene. It appeared all had been asleep at the time of their murder. So it's presumed that it was an axe. Well, Johnny, Johnny yeah. said that he didn't know that the axe that they even used during the trial of the, the preacher was the real axe. Doctors estimated time of death. Based on lividity and rigor mortis, I'm assuming, somewhere shortly after midnight. Curtains were drawn, all the windows in the house except two, which did not have the curtains. Those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors. All the victims' faces were covered with the bedclothes after they were killed. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned out. The chimney was found under the dresser. A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls. The chimney was also off. The axe was found in the room occupied by the Stillinger girls. It was bloody, but an attempt had been made to wipe it off. The axe belonged to Josiah Moore. Um, the ceilings in the parents' room and the children's room showed gouge marks, apparently made from the upswing of the axe. A piece of a keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. A pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. Which is interesting if you're going back to the poison. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't the food eaten? The doors were unlocked. The bodies of Lena and Ina Stinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall, and Lena was on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Lena, according to the inquest testimony of Dr. F.S. Williams, lay as though she had kicked one foot out of the bed sideways with one hand up under the pillow the right hand half sideways not clear over but just a little apparently she had been struck in the head and squirmed down in the bed perhaps one third of the way lena's nightgown had slid up and she was wearing no undergarments this was a blood stain on the inside of her right knee and what doctors assume was a defensive wound on her arm uh it goes on and on and on the um it is important, however, that we also realize that in 1912, fingerprinting was a fairly new venture and DNA testing unimaginable. Although a local druggist had the forethought to attempt to enter the crime scene with his camera, he was promptly thrown out. It is quite probable that even if the crime scene had been secure, the evidence would not have provided any real clues. There was no central database of fingerprints, so even if they had been recovered, the murderer would have had to have been apprehended for a comparison. Granted, Prince may have either convicted or cleared Kelly and Mansfield. Frank Jones, however, was suspected only by masterminding the plot but not actually committing the murder himself. Fingerprints would not have exonerated him. So Frank Jones was one of the suspects, Kelly and Mansfield. Who is Frank Jones? So Frank Jones is one of the suspects. I don't know who... I, I don't remember coming across that name. Yeah, that name's new to me. I think, folks, what you guys need to understand is that this place 
rocks and it's got an awesome mystery behind it that quite frankly I'm just upset that this should not be something to be praised but should be as a odem as an example of what not to do as a society and as what not to do in law enforcement this is a complete and utter lack of failure of an entire community so yeah, I mean, yeah, total lack of failure on on behalf. The case is fascinating. If you've never heard about the Valeska Axe Murder House, it's something that you should definitely look into. If this is your type of scene, if you're into cold cases, if you want to do a podcast, this would be a great episodic podcast. I'm sure Johnny Hauser would help you out with all the information. If you're in Iowa and you want to start a podcast and you're pretty decent at it, reach out to Johnny Hauser and he'd be a perfect person to do it with you because he knows so much rich information about the Velisca house, um, Axe house. Um, there's one really quick short story that we have that we also got a chance to visit and that was the tree in the middle of the road. And actually, if you go on Google maps or Instagram and you type in tree in the middle of the road, it'll actually come up. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's been tagged a couple times. And do you know the lore behind it, Jeremy? So there was a man, I don't remember the whole story. Because this is—he was a surveyor or something. Yeah, and he, I guess, hung himself. He committed suicide at this tree. So the tree basically divides the the the, the, the counties. The counties. Yep. Yeah, the counties. I guess it's like maybe it was a corner marker. Was that where four counties came together? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's and and when we say this tree is massive, that's an understatement. Check it out on our graveyard shift at Instagram. It's freaking huge. But uh, the man committed suicide and hung himself from the from this tree, and now there's the urban legend that if you drive around it three times reverse. backwards yeah, and, and uh, flick your lights or something, uh, you know, Satan sucks you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. We try to thing. get Frankie to do it in the pickup truck. No, I don't do stuff like that. I don't tempt fate. I would have done it. Um, I know you would have. You guys did the other thing. I did the other thing. But (laughs) when you look at it, there's a couple of stories online, too, about like on a full moon. You can close your eyes and look up at the tree. You'll see the person's feet hanging in front of you, which is fucking terrifying. Um, There's a woman's face in a tree. When Um, I drove down that road, I was like, damn, that tree is holy shit. There's a face right there. Me and Jeremy looked while we're looking at it. It's pretty cool. It looks like a woman's face with yeah. her hair kind of cascading off. I mm-hmm. guess uh, looking at it would be her left side. And it straight, I mean, you walk up to it and clearly it's a knot of a tree, but you stand back 20 feet and it's there. Mm-hmm. Tree in the middle of the road, Velasca Axe Murder House, graveyard shift. Want to thank you again for joining us for this episode. Uh, if you're in Iowa and you need to check out some of these great haunting locations uh, that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, feel free to do so. Uh, with COVID, these destinations definitely need your patronage. Uh, from all of us here at Graveyard Shift, I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta. I'm Jeremy David King. Fabian Rodriguez. We will be seeing. If you would like to join a jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay a token fee. Rest in peace, the haunting's free. So hurry back, we would like your company.